0: You're listening to the One Man and His Wilderness Podcast. On the show, we hope to not only give you a better understanding of how wilderness adventure shapes our belief and trust in Christ, but how it draws us into a deeper and intimate relationship with Him. On the show, you'll hear from leaders who are utilizing wilderness adventure to make disciples of young people around the world. So sit back and enjoy the perspective of One Man and His Wilderness. Here's your host, Paul Wingfield.
1: Today's guest on the show is Dusty Breeding. Dusty is an adventurer, a trainer, and a minister of the gospel. He was born and raised in a rural community in Indiana, but ultimately was led to Malibu, California, to pursue a bachelor's and master's degree at Pepperdine University. For the past 10 years, he has served as a minister for Pepperdine's University Church. And he is also a brand ambassador for Lululemon Athletica. Dusty and his wife, Cecily, lead students on adventures around the world as a part of his passion for introducing others to personal growth through adversity. All right, man, Dusty Breeding, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks uh, so much for having me, uh, Paul. Looking forward to chatting with you.
1: Man, uh, first and foremost, uh, I, I found you. I've been following you for a little while on Instagram now. I don't even know how I found you um, on there, on the, the World Wide Web. But immediately, the first thing which made me follow you, and this made me vain. I was like, he's bald, he's bearded, and he's tattooed. He's a cool <laughs> guy. I, I've got to follow this man. <laughs> yeah, definitely um, <laughs> trustworthy.
2: Those are all the signs of someone being totally trustworthy, right?
1: I, uh, I once heard somewhere... Uh, when it comes to guided adventures or th- anything with um, being in the wilderness, a man, a, a, a customer will trust the man with the beard more than any other kind of facial hair, more than a mustache or a goatee. If they have a full beard, they are immediately trustworthy. So, I
2: believe it. It makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. So, man, I, um, before we get started here, man, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're uh, you're out in Malibu, California, right?
2: yeah so right now I serve as the campus and youth minister at the University Church on campus at Pepperdine University here in Malibu California and I'm entering my tenth year uh, in this role so I, I did my undergraduate degree at Pepperdine and did my master's degree here and uh, met my wife as we were students at Pepperdine and uh, and so our our whole ministry uh, has really... Really had its roots in this community, and we've we've done a variety of other uh, things and other been other places, but but this has really been our, our context for ministry for the last ten years.
1: Man, that's so good. Now you didn't grow up in California; you grew up in in Indiana,
2: right? So let's yeah let's
1: let's get into uh, a little bit about just your uh, man your childhood growing up in Indiana. What was that? What was that like for you?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I'm originally from a small town called Andrews, Indiana. I, I tell everyone it's a town of 800 people and 3000 cows. So it's a farm town. I was not a farmer. I, 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 wouldn't know how to drive a tractor if I tried. So I can't claim any connections there, but our community was very rural, uh, very agrarian. Um, it, the, that, that community that I actually grew up in my, our housing area was a, it was actually a government subsidized housing project. Uh, and um, so, very low-income community, uh, and that was what formed, I would say, my upbringing. That kind of that context, that socioeconomic context, but also uh, paired with the faith of my parents that I inherited, uh, just through their commitment to Christ and their commitment to uh, the church. I grew up in that context, and I would say that that framed my my worldview, framed my existence, and so. Those those things were really formative uh, to me throughout my my childhood, and uh, I was there until I was uh, 19, and then I moved away when I was 19.
1: Wow! So, what what drew you from this little small town in Indiana to Malibu, California?
2: Yeah, oh gosh, uh, the the long story would take more time than we have, <laughs> or than anyone would really care to listen to in a podcast. So to to make it short, uh I was chasing a girl, as anyone uh could expect. That that's what got me out of town. I dated a girl in high school and she moved away, and I I I kind of chased after her uh and that relationship didn't, didn't work out, but it connected me to Pepperdine University. I'd never heard of it before growing up in Indiana. I didn't know anything about it, but I, I was living in Alabama at the time, and a friend of mine told me about this place called Pepperdine. I looked it up on the internet, and I saw this incredible photo of a college you know, in, the, in the hills of the Santa Monica Mountains overlooking the ocean. And I said, yeah, that, that's where I'm going. I'm going right there. And I did, at the time, I didn't, know, I didn't know that it was incredibly expensive. And I also didn't know that it, it's like highly academic. And I, so I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd never been to California before. I never visited. But I applied. I got accepted. And I uh, came, came, came out to Pepperdine. And, uh, and that was probably one of the biggest transitions of, of my life, for sure.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Pretty typical story. I mean, for not a typical story, but for a, a young man to chase a woman like that's yep. I totally get it. I've been there before. I know all yep. about. It. Um yep. man, that's uh, what a culture shock. I'm sure too. You know. Moving- yeah, very much so.
2: Very much so. And I and I would say in a variety of different ways. Uh, but I was ready for that. I was ready for adventure and and newness, and uh, I was ready for change. So yeah. I, I got all of that.
1: Yeah. Now you're talking about ready for adventure. Uh, I think one thing, uh, just in, in my time working with young people, that is something that uh, almost every young person has, is just this sense of adventure in their hearts. It's why we think we're often, um, you know, invincible, and we we do things that probably shouldn't do. Or now that we're older and wiser, we're like, oh, maybe I, I shouldn't have done those silly things back then. But, right. um, man, like, what really inspired that sense of adventure? Did that begin um, when you were younger? I mean, did you, did you love the outdoors then or, or kind of – What inspired, what inspired this sense of adventure for, for your life?
2: Yeah. uh, You know, ironically, like, I don't think I had really ever camped or slept in a tent until I was probably 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, My, my, my parents weren't big outdoors people. um, But I think my, my interest in an adventure was, was formulated by my dad and his love for movies and his love for uh, particularly Westerns mm-hmm. and um, and also movies about like travel and movies about adventure. And so growing up in that home, I, I, I think I caught this bug for what, that the world was a really big place. Mm-hmm. And m- my dad loved the old Tarzan movies. And so I saw lots of, lots of movies about Africa. Um, and so I was really, I think I was, I was inspired to, to see the world, even though my parents don't travel. My dad's never been in an airplane and he's never been in a boat. And so he's wow. never left the, the, the country. And, uh, and so I didn't have that, that kind of international adventure or outdoors uh, a desire until later in life, but it was definitely formulated by these images I saw on screen and recognizing that there was way more to the world than my mm-hmm. small town in Indiana
1: yeah yeah for sure that was uh man i grew up here in, in a little east tennessee town and uh, when i moved out to colorado man, just the the culture shock that we can even experience here in our own nation um is, is pretty incredible let alone when you start to travel outside uh, of the united mm-hmm. states um Absolutely. but i think it's something that every young person should see and should um and, and should experience because what a way to just grow your, your worldview and what a way to shape your worldview outside of our, our little corners of our, of our in boundaries of our towns that we live in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So man, when you, when you moved to, uh, to Pepperdine there, so first of all, what did you, what did you major in? I'm curious about that.
2: Yeah. So um, I, for the most part of my academic career, I've studied religion and theology. Uh, but originally I started out going to culinary school. I went to a culinary school in Indiana before I moved And, uh, and so I have a little, that's, it plays into a part of my adventure, I I would say. And, uh, um, during my, my transition from culinary school to Pepperdine, uh, I started a nonprofit building ovens, um, doing microfinance in Africa. And so I spent probably the first year, first five years of my twenties traveling back and forth to various countries in Africa and taking teams to to build bakeries and build ovens in, and communities. Um, and so that, that was part of this process. I actually, uh, I was on a trip in Uganda and I, I was working with a missionary in Uganda whose nephew was a student at Pepperdine and his dad was an admissions counselor. The, the, the director of admissions at Pepperdine. And so I had my first kind of Pepperdine interview sitting at a table in Uganda yeah. when this, this guy called his dad up and said, hey, I just met this, this guy named Dusty and he, he wants to come to Pepperdine. And so that, that, all of those things kind of blended together to, to bring me to Pepperdine. But that's where I started studying uh, religion and theology, um, basically there.
1: Wow, what a small world. Oh uh, man, and I think I think as you travel, like you experience that um, more often than not. Um, and just like for our listeners here, um, this is the first time I've spoke with Dusty other than Instagram. But when when we were talking before we started the episode, um, I was telling him where I was from. He was like, "Oh, near Johnson City." And I'm like, "How have you heard of Johnson City?" And he has connections here, so the world is, uh, is a lot smaller than, than we take it uh, to be.
2: Isn't there a uh, isn't there a restaurant in Johnson City that has really great like key lime pie?
1: Yes. Um, and you would put me on the spot in my own hometown. Uh,
2: Cootie, Browns. Cootie Browns. Yes, Cootie Browns. Yes. Cootie Browns. Yeah. Cootie Browns. Yeah, right.
1: Local shout out, Cootie Browns from Dusty Breeding himself. <laughs> um, man, that is uh, that is so cool. And so so you, you started this nonprofit. Uh, you're traveling back and forth to Africa. You're building these ovens. Um, and what, what kind of connections along the way did you make there? How did you, uh, what did that time in your life, how did that prepare you for um, just this new season of of ministry and um, just investing in others,
2: yeah, sure. Um, I think it taught me a lot, and as I look back, I would say one of my my the biggest life lessons that I learned was was humility because I feel like as I look back on that time in my life i think I think we made a lot of mistakes and um, and and could have done things differently or could have done things better and uh, I think i I learned that. Um, international development work um, mission work is hard Mm -hmm. it's it it takes so much um, takes so much willingness to to be a learner and to fail and and as I look back on that time I see it as like a humbling time in my life Mm -hmm. recognizing that maybe what I thought was the best way to do something was often not the best way to do something and and also just recognizing that your your best intentions are are sometimes um, misguided or sometimes not good enough, and so I would say that that season of my life was was a time of humility, and I still am learning from that. And I look back on that as being um, a, a big shift in my life of recognizing that the world is really big, and I'm just one one piece of this, you know. Incredible, incredible world, uh, but it was also for sure my first connection with international adventure and my my first connection with uh, spending a lot of time in airports and on airplanes, and so a lot of lessons learned about travel and about myself. Uh, there's, I guess, I guess I don't know if this quote is actually from Mark Twain. I think I've heard that it's really not, but they don't know who it's from. But the the statement that adversity introduces a man to himself, mm. and that that concept, I think was was really true for me during during those years of my life. I I feel like I faced a lot of adversity in a variety of different ways. And I I was introduced to myself um, Mm. during that time.
1: Yeah, man, that is so good. Um, I think uh, on your Instagram, you have have a picture of uh, is it you and, and your wife on Kilimanjaro? Maybe?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We we climbed Kilimanjaro maybe three years ago now. I guess she had climbed it before we kind of as we were starting to date. We were we were spending some time in in Africa, and she uh, she went with a friend to climb it. And I remember telling her at the time, I I, I told her I said, "What a waste of time! You're you're going to spend a week just climbing up a hill to the top, like <laughs> and you're going to do what? You turn around and walk down? That seems like such a waste of time." And that was really before I had gotten bit by the bug of adventure for, um, for things like that. And so, uh, you know, about seven years into our marriage, she, she pitched this idea. We, we actually trade off. So one year she gets to pick our family vacation and then the next year I get to pick our family vacation. And so she chose for us to climb Kilimanjaro a few years ago,
1: man. That's so good. I thought it might've been, uh, during that period of time when you were uh, doing your, your nonprofit work, uh, uh, in Africa there that you might have have had ascended that but you're, you're talking about um, just that period of your life um, and the adversity that you had faced and just the trials and how it really helped kind of introduce you to, to yourself to your to your inner man right yeah. um, and that's a big part of kind of your um, of what you're about today is is adversity and this elective stress as you call it that we can kind of uh, choose to go through for the sake of, gro- of growth right so, man, like, how how did that um, that experience uh, for you, and how has it like kind of driven you today to to um, to introduce others uh, to elective stress, right, for the sake yeah. of growth?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, well, the the concept really came out of a conversation I had with my wife over a cup of coffee in our kitchen, sitting at our our kitchen table. Uh, we were reflecting on our vacations. This was probably maybe three years or so ago now, four years ago, and we were looking back at the variety of trips that we've gone on, and just we were kind of asking like, what what's been our favorite experience? What's been our favorite family vacation? And it's just her and I. We don't we don't have any kids, and uh, so we were just thinking about trips that we've done, and uh, you know trip to Italy that we took years ago where we were, we were sipping wine through wine country. And, and then we thought about, uh, you know, we, we spent some time in, uh, uh, in, in Turkey and visiting the, the shops uh, throughout Istanbul. And so some really fun adventures. But as we, as we started discussing it, what we quickly realized is that the, the trips that we remembered the most, the trips that were most meaningful, the ones we look back on with, pride and with great, um, great remembrance are, uh, are the ones where we face some form of obstacle. So whether that was a physical challenge or uh, some other type of challenge, as we were talking about this, we said, man, like that Kilimanjaro climb where I got altitude sickness and threw up all over the top of the mountain and literally thought I was going to die that was a great trip or when we, we spent uh, a few weeks um, uh, kind of car camping around Iceland and navigating Icelandic road signs and getting lost and trying to use a map. And uh, you know, we look back on that and say, wow, that, like, that was a great trip for us. And so as we were talking about this, it hit me like, why? Like, why, do we, why do we look at these trips where we faced obstacles and where we faced a challenge why do we look at those trips as being our best experiences? Because typically you wouldn't think of getting altitude sickness and feeling like you were going to die as being a great experience, right? And so that that concept really rolled around in my mind for a while and it was probably a month or two later, I was listening to a podcast and I, I heard a, a phrase, I heard a concept that, that that I think pairs with this idea, and the phrase was post-traumatic growth. And now most people have heard of post-traumatic stress or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, but I had never heard of the concept of post-traumatic growth. And as this person who was being interviewed on the podcast was talking about this idea, uh, they were explaining that post-traumatic growth is the, the, the life change or the personal growth that you experience after a traumatic event. And as they were describing this i said to myself like this is exactly what my wife and i were talking about with these with these experiences these vacations the these times when we faced adversity went through something really challenging we look back on those and say wow like those experiences made us who we are today i love deeper um i i'm more empathetic uh i i have a a deeper appreciation for life a deeper connection with god all because of some of those experiences, not in spite of them, but actually because of them. And so that was the foundation for my interest in uh, kind of academic exploration of this idea of post-traumatic growth, and then later into what I call elective stress.
1: Man, that's, uh, that's so good. I, uh, I think my experience with that, um, I climbed, I was in Ecuador uh, a couple years ago, uh, and was doing some work with some local youth leaders and and part of what we do is we teach them how to use the wilderness Right these to induce this elective stress that, so we can grow from that and it draws us closer to christ And I told uh, I told my my boss. I was like, hey, I was like I want to do a big mountain in ecuador He was like, are you sure and i'm like man i've been doing crossfit like i'm in shape like i can do it I didn't train for it or anything like I just went and, and did it and I was rudely awakened because um, like yourself, I mean, we, we camped at 16,000 feet uh, and then we went to like 19.6. It uh, was what we summited at. And I talked to God the entire time. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we were, it was a, it's on a glacier and we had crampons and ice axes and had to cross crevasses. And I was way out of my element with the highest mountains that we have here are like 6,000 feet. Um, but man, I remember the whole time as I was climbing this mountain. And the many false summits that, that we had, um, just thinking, um, man, like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And the man that was guiding me uh, was a local youth leader in Quito, Ecuador. And he was like, no, he's like, you can, you are going to do this. And I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Uh, and most mountaineers are, are pretty, I don't say prideful, but they want to get to the summit. We want to achieve it. We want to get to the top. But if you have ever climbed a mountain before, sometimes you know that that's not always possible. And so he put aside his desire for the summit to meet me where I was at and to say, I'm going to walk with you every, this, every step of this way, and we are going to get there. And I literally crawled on my hands and knees to the summit. Like, it was, it was awful. But I just kept thinking, man, I lift my eyes to the, to the hills. Like, Where does my help come from, right? Psalm 121. It was like, my help comes from the Lord. And, and just that, that idea that my help was coming from the Lord who was giving me the strength to achieve this. Um, man, it was it was something that I'll never forget, and I'm sure your experience on top of of Kilimanjaro was um, very similar of, of how you arrived there with the help of the Lord. Yeah, and in
2: your it sounds like in your story you did you did something that I think plays into what I've learned about post-traumatic growth and and elective stress you you chose to pair your your suffering if you will you know your challenge um with with a spiritual connection to god and i think that that's that's one of the things that has come out in a lot of research relating to post-traumatic growth is that um, not everyone experiences growth through challenge right it's not a guarantee it's not just because you have experienced something traumatic that you grow. It's not, it's not a one-to-one ratio. Um, for some people, trauma is merely traumatic and they don't necessarily self-report growth. But one of the, one of the elements of, of post-traumatic growth is your ability to connect to a higher power, connect with God um, or your perception of, of what God would be for someone who's not Christian. Um, that, that growth uh, occurs when when you can, make those connections. Um, and to me, that reminds me a lot of the concept of spiritual disciplines, right? So if you think about fasting, um, fasting in, in Christian practice is, is as simple as skipping a meal, um, but it's so much more profound than skipping a meal because of what you where you go with your mind, right? And, and your connection to God um, in that. But if you were to take two people and they sat down at lunch together, it's possible that one person is skipping a meal because they want to lose weight. And one person is skipping a meal because they want to have a deep connection with God. And I would say that's true as well for adventure or for adversity and challenge that just doing hard things doesn't necessarily mean you're going to experience spiritual growth. But what you did is exactly what, what I think is critical to turning your adventure, turning your challenge into spiritual, into a spiritual discipline. And that's that intentional pairing with adversity and your connection to God.
1: Right. Man, that's such a, that's such a good thought. Uh, And I've never really thought about that before. Um, But man, like as you're, as you're talking about that, you know, you're saying that somebody could maybe go on an outdoor adventure for the sake of going on an adventure. Uh, And it could just be a trial that they experience, And it could just be, you know, something that's traumatic to them. Whereas the other person as they're, as they're connecting that to this relationship with God, um, how it does help them grow in their faith. And so I think that's where um, my next thought goes is, that's why it's so important for, for you and for I who, um, as we're leading other people along and we're, we're putting them into these situations because of uh, the outcome that we know can happen, is that we are able to kind of steer them towards that because not everybody will look to God, right? I think Romans, um, Romans one nineteen says, for since the, the beginning of time, God has revealed his character, uh, character to us namely his uh, eternal power and divine nature through that which he has made. So God reveals himself to us through his very creation. But I think verse 21 says, but some people traded the truth for a lie. And so our role as leaders in the church, as people who are leading this generation behind us, or maybe they're not even a generation behind us, but maybe they're even just just you know uh, infants in Christ. But for those of us that are more mature in Christ, to point them to Christ through this elective stress and that's where that switch can be flipped so i want to talk a little bit now about your experience with that um just in in leading leading others uh, uh on whether it's wilderness adventure or or whatever that is um through that elective stress how how did you kind of segue from this being a personalized thing to saying i need to give this to others
2: yeah i i think that was really formulated in my mind on a uh on a, on a trip, one of our trips to Italy, we, we hiked Cinco Terra, the five cities, uh, on the, on the coast of Italy. And there are a couple of different trail options you can take on the Cinco Terra hike. You can take, I think it's called like the blue trail and it runs along the ocean and it's, it's pretty flat and pretty smooth. And typically people will hike for a couple hours and then they'll stay in the next city over. And then, you know, they'll do a couple more hours of hiking and then stay in the next city. And so you can turn it into a, three to five day little trip and my wife decided that she thought it would be a good idea to do two things she wanted to do the whole trip in a day so all five cities in a day and she wanted to take the mountain route uh which goes up and kind of crosses the five peaks uh, of this of this hike and so you you're, you're starting a city and you climb up and then you come down and then uh, stop in the next city and so we we did this pretty challenging kind of like one day adventure and we, we committed to drink a, a shot of Italian espresso in every city. So, you know, five shots of espresso to power us through the, through the trip. But on this trip, we started talking about how um, adventures like this and challenges like this really just break you down mentally and, and you become raw, right? You, you are laid bare by adventure and by challenge and by adversity. And that is the time that you have an opportunity to really assess who you are at your core. So not who you are after a great night of sleep, when you had a delicious breakfast and a great cup of coffee. Like that's you at your best. That's you at your almost the stage personality or persona that you wear and show the world. Um, but but adversity and challenge. I think that that reveals to you and others who you are at your deepest core, and so this this trip got us talking about how it was a really challenging day, and we argued and were mad at each other, and you know just the typical things that come up when you yeah. haven't eaten enough and you drink too many shots of espresso and you've been doing hard things yeah. and and we we realized, like, man, we need to bring students to have this experience because. It's hard to find things in our day-to-day life, or most of us who work in offices or are students, it's hard to find experiences that really peel back the layers to get at your core. And we've found that outdoor adventure and adversity, physical challenge is, is, a, is a, a great equalizer. You know, you can take the fittest person in the world and someone who's never gotten off the couch and you can, you can uh, scale the challenge, but both of them at the end of the day, will, the layers will be peeled back mm-hmm. and they'll be able to be open and honest with who they are at their core. And so that trip, I think, really started us thinking about what it would look like to lead people in the outdoors to experience some of the, the growth that we've experienced.
1: And that's, uh, that's so good. And that's one reason I, exactly what you said. is like the wilderness, it just it levels the playing field. Um, you can have the most experienced outdoor professional that there is versus, like you said, someone off the couch and presented with the same trial. There's going to still be some element of stress that will ultimately cause growth or trauma. Right. Um, or both, can, you know, in combined. Um, so, man, with with that and your kind of discovery of saying, man, I want to take students into this. I want to um, I want to to lead this next generation into experiencing um, and God through his creation, through the trials that we, we find in the, in the wilderness and an adventure. Um, and how do you do What are some ways that you do that? How do you take young people along on the journey with you?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. We've, we've done it a variety of different ways. Uh, but as, as you're discussing, like outdoors is the way to go. Right. So, um, we have, we put together several different trips. We, we've led a couple treks across Iceland, um, and we've led, uh, we have a, a backpacking retreat that we lead for students here. Um, we've done, we did an Alaska trip, trek with our with our high school seniors a couple of years ago. We did a Pikes Peak climb with some of our seniors a, a few years back. And so, for us, uh, I, I think what we found kind of the secret sauce to to growth and elective stress and outdoor adventure, um, is something that, that is reasonably doable for, for a vast majority of people. So it has to be low technical skill, Mm. um, but high on potential for adversity and challenge. So for example, a, you know, mountaineering or uh, climbing a glaciated peak is not a good plan for for what we're trying to do because there are so few people who are trained and prepared to do that but backpacking uh and trekking even a a relatively flat trail is is a great way to get people outdoors uh it's it can be as challenging as you want and sometimes when we plan a trip we will we'll set a weight cap so we'll say, or a weight minimum, we'll say, mm-hmm. all right, for this backpacking trip, everyone has to show up with a 20 pound weight in addition to the stuff that they're already carrying. Um, and, or you can scale it if someone yeah. is not physically prepared to do that, you know, maybe it's just a backpack. So we're trying to find ways to make sure that everyone experiences some adversity, but that no one is uh, at risk for injury or, yeah. or something catastrophic. Um, and then just letting nature do its thing, letting mm. the rain or letting the really hot weather or uh, letting the, the the fact that you forgot your tent poles uh, for your tent, you know, all of those things are things that nature um, and I would say God, you know, bring to us that makes something more challenging. And so to some extent, we set up the trip and we let God bring the adversity.
1: Yeah. Man, that's so good. And, and, and my experience with that as well, like it's um, when, you're, um, when you're taking people out there, like you're talking about that uh, perceived risk versus like actual risk, right? You can repel and like we know we've set everything set up. It's rock solid anchors everywhere. Like there's not a lot of risk here, but for somebody that's terrified of heights, like the risk is all of this is going to collapse and I'm going to fall to my death. Yeah. Uh, and it's in those moments, which is very calculated for us as a leader. And I think that's why it's important for us as the leader to a- acknowledge that. And, and it sounds like you guys are doing a really, really good job um, at that perceived risk versus actual risk uh, to help kind of induce some of that stress um, that is not harmful to the students, um, right. but is perceived as harmful. So, man, that's that's super, super exciting. Um, we got a few more minutes here um, before you hit the head out. Do you have any kind of story that stands out in your mind of just one time? where you were, where you were maybe leading a student uh, and they just had this moment um, in their mind where they, where they just were in this fear and panic mode maybe. And then all of a sudden, like they felt comforted by God. Do you have, do you have any stories like that that, that stick out to you?
2: Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I think it, it'd be easiest for me to share my experiences with that. Sure.
1: Go ahead. And the yeah. times
2: that, um, that, 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 uh that i that i've learned to experience the presence of god in the moment of adversity we uh, uh i guess this was last last summer my wife and i we we hiked the annapurna circuit which is this big trail it's like 150 miles through the the himalayas in nepal and it's it can take as long as 3 or 4 weeks or you know if you're really rushing it you can take a couple of weeks but uh about about midway or three quarters of the way through the trip, there is the Thurungla Pass, which is the highest point of the trail. It's not a mountain climb, so it's not a summit. Um, you're actually kind of crossing through a saddle between some other mountains. But it's like 17,000 feet, so it's it's decently high. And uh, I, I, I the night before, I was just hit with anxiety. There was uh, a snowstorm that we were kind of uh, anticipating that would be coming. Uh, a couple years ago, there were um, – something like 30 or 40 people who were killed here on the La pass during a snowstorm, a blizzard that came in and people were stranded and froze to death. And, um, so all of that's running through my mind, of course, right. As we know that we're going to get some weather and just a tool that I have come to, to utilize in moments of adversity, which I think is uh, a way of bringing God into my present moment is, um, as just breath prayer or mindfulness or a mantra basically that, that I would create and craft and I would turn it into essentially a, a a breath breath prayer. Right. And so um, my, my breath prayer for this moment as I was laying in bed and my heart was kind of racing, thinking Mm -hmm. about the next morning and thinking about our, you know, 4am wake up and this crossing this pass and the snowstorm uh, or what we thought would be a snowstorm. We ended up coming, arriving after we, uh, made it through the past. But um, my breath pair was, uh, was simply to say, for his steadfast levenders forever, mm-hmm. God is my shelter through the storm. And just repeating that on the inhale, and then the exhale. And for me, that has been a practice that um, ushers God into the present moment for me. I, I don't believe that God exists outside of me. Like, I don't think it's, if I didn't say that, God was not present with me, but it makes me aware of, of God's presence in that moment. And so those are some of the, the tools that we try to pass on to students when we when we do uh, hard things like this, is sharing those uh, ways of taking their adversity and going to God in the moment of challenge.
1: And that's so good. What a good tool to pass on and, uh, and to think to when they experience those moments like you were just talking about that. Ah, uh, they're going to have that tool there to to, man, to usher God, uh, to to where you're to where you're at, and to give you that mindfulness that He is there, that He has not departed, that He is every step of the way along this journey with you. Um, so, man, that's that's really awesome, and it's it's exciting to hear what you're doing, man. I'm I'm super encouraged um, to just hear what you and your wife are doing with students out there in uh, in California, and uh, man, excited to see kind of where you where you go from here, and just to keep following along on this journey with you. Um, before we head out of here, man, how can how can people get a hold of you? They want to follow you or just check yeah, in and see what you're doing.
2: Yeah, um, you could connect with me. Uh, I, I have a website, dustybreeding.com. Uh, I do some blogging occasionally there and share a little bit more about the practice of elective stress and what it would look like to to pair your adversity and turn it into a spiritual discipline. I think that's something I'm really passionate about. Is is if you're already doing hard things, if you're already loving being in the outdoors, if you love to crossfit or if you're a marathoner, um, how can you hack that for your spiritual growth? Mm-hmm. How can you turn marathon running and training into a spiritual discipline? And so that's really what my passion is behind elective stress is, is um, providing tools to, to allow this pairing of adversity and spiritual growth. So you can find out more about that practice on, on my website or on Instagram at Dusty Breeding um, or, uh, email contact me, dusty.breeding at pepperdine.edu all a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll make sure to add all of those ways into the show notes here. So people, uh, don't have to keep going back and listening for uh, all of those ways to connect with you. Um, sure. okay. Dusty, I appreciate your time today. And, um, like I said, I'm super encouraged at what you're doing. Uh, man, I think the, the Lord is in it with you and yeah, excited to see how he he grows you and your wife through this and, and the adventures that you have to come. So thank you for being with us today, man.
2: Well, thank you. And thanks for what you're doing to get the word out about adventure and, uh, and spiritual growth through through the outdoors.
1: It's, it, it truly is my, uh, my privilege and my pleasure. So um, man, Dusty, it was good talking with you today and uh, look forward to, to connecting with you some more. And hey, man, maybe while you're up here in a couple of weeks, you uh, go get some of that good key lime pie from Cootie Browns.
2: There you go. I like it. <laughs> It's a good plan, or or some tea from pals, right? Oh man, you're
1: speaking my my love language, man. Oh my goodness, oh you've just uh, you've just grown a lot of fans from the Tri Cities here. Um, that's so good, Dusty. Man, you take care of yourself, and uh, yeah, looking forward to connecting with you again in the future.
2: Great, thanks, Paul. Yes, sir.
0: Thanks for listening to the One Man in His Wilderness podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today and were encouraged by our friend's story and ministry. Be sure to head to our website to check out the show notes for today's episode. And for more content directed at church leaders, you can find us at www.pauljwingfield.com. And if you could do us one favor before you leave, go ahead and subscribe to our show so you can be notified every time a new episode airs. Until next time, we hope you'll go out and find your wilderness.